But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what will you have me do? The Lord said to him, Rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is the chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. And for several days, Saul was with the disciples in Damascus. My name is Paul. And if this was a world without Jesus, I would have continued to persecute and murder Christians, thinking that by doing so, I would be gaining God's favor and fulfilling his law. How wrong I would have been. And if it wasn't for his mercy and grace, I would have never known, how, never known the sweet truth of his love and salvation, and would have never had the opportunity to share his story of truth and hope with the world. If this was a world without Jesus, I would have been buried in trespasses and sins and completely lost. But through his loving grace, he gave me life, and a life meant to serve him. Now, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, I will never stop being thankful that he so sweetly pursued me and called me to him. If this was a world without Jesus, I would be hopeless and lost. On one occasion, 
while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and the nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And they said, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Hi, my name is Peter. If it weren't for faith, I would have never pushed the boat back out there. If it weren't for faith, I would have never put the nets into the boat. If it weren't for faith, I would have never followed Jesus. See, in the passage, we see that Peter is fishing, but unfortunately, hasn't had much success. As Jesus, teaches, as Jesus finishes his teaching, he tells Peter to put his net into the water. Though Peter has his doubts, he nonetheless obeys Jesus. The result is a catch of fish so substantial that the nets break. Afterwards, Peter tells Jesus to leave him, for he is sinful. Yet Jesus places a call on Peter's life to fish for men and follow Jesus. Peter obeys and leaves his old life behind solely for the sake of Jesus. Peter understood that he was a sinner and unworthy of Jesus, but this did not stop Jesus from calling Peter to serve. Without Jesus, there'd be no church, and Peter would still be trying to catch fish. Peter understands that he is a sinful man, but thinks that Jesus does not want him in his presence because of that. Without Jesus, Peter would have never realized that his sin does not affect the love that God has for him. Without Jesus, Peter would have never understood the plan that God had for his life. Hi, my name is Braylon, and if Jesus had never come to earth, my life would look a lot different. If Jesus had never come to earth the way he did, I would be hard of heart and hurtful to those around me. I wouldn't have had the ability or opportunity to love others. There was a time when I was legalistic and harsh. I thought that everyone's sin was greater than mine and that no one was deserving of my time. But quickly I learned that that is so opposite of how our Savior thinks. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So if we break that down, it's clear that Jesus had a place, had a place of comfort and holiness in heaven. He passed through the heavens and was completely God himself. But the story didn't end there, because he left heaven and joined mankind here on earth, making him able to sympathize with our weaknesses. 
He humbled himself and appeared on earth as an infant human being, which is the most vulnerable position possible. And he spent his life surrounded by sinners who could never be enough on their own. Sinners just like me. For so much of my life, I associated myself with Jesus in heaven, higher and mightier and above everyone else. I thought that because I claimed to love Jesus, I somehow morphed into a godlike creature like him and I could go about condemning others. And while it's true that the children of God and lovers of Jesus inherit uh, the righteousness that Christ bought for us, the version of that in my head was so twisted and wrong. But Christmas time marks a special turning point because Jesus didn't remain in his position of power and dominance, and neither can I. Today, I have a much better understanding of what it looks like to love people despite their sin and accept others. I can confidently live a radical life loving sinners because Jesus did it first. Hebrews tells us that Jesus was in every way tempted as we are, yet without sin. And it started right here in the manger. My life was once bound by my obsession with rules and my prideful desire to make sure everyone was following them. But it is now filled with freedom to love everyone despite their struggles. I'm able to do this because Jesus did it first when he showed up here on earth. I'm able to do this because by the grace of God, he did not allow us to remain in a world without Jesus. This is the greatest story ever told. The origin of the savior of mankind. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in an inn. Here we can see that a baby is born in Bethlehem in a manger. It is the beginning of the story of the Christ child, the story of our Savior. What if the story had never started? The proverbial pen never put the paper. What if in the prologue of the unborn son, Joseph, a man who had just found out his betrothed was with child, but not his child, was to be stoned to death? Or what if God had given up on his creation the way we give up on one another when love and friendship becomes too much of a burden? What if the manger was empty? You've heard from three individuals who were changed for the better from the birth of Christ. And what about the world? Jesus Christ has impacted the world in every conceivable area. Morality, health, art, music, education, even education. Universities as we know them today began during the Middle Ages so that Christian scholars could have a better understanding of Christianity. None of our favorite movies, our favorite stories, our favorite pieces would exist without Christ. There would be no Bach, no Handel. Even contemporary bands like 21 Pilots would be different and changed. 
Some of their greatest works may never exist. They were inspired by Christ and their relationships with God and Christian backgrounds so much so that Bach and Handel would sign the phrase, Soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone, at the end of their pieces. Without Christ, some of our favorite tales would never have been told. No Robocop, no Narnia, no Lion King, or even Harry Potter. They take influence from stories of the Bible and are centered on Christ's figures, the story of birth and, sal- and resurrection and salvation by it. And they were only popularized as such because he died and rose again. If the manger is empty, then the cross is empty, which means in a world without Jesus, there will be no universal, no personal truths, no victories. Death would still reign over us. We would still be living in sin, and we would all be doomed to what I can only imagine to be the worst fates imaginable. We would be required to still sacrifice animals to purify ourselves. Not only would there be no victories, we wouldn't truly know, know God. Jesus Christ was the first to truly introduce the idea of a personal relationship with God the Father. And those who have followed Judaism knew of God. But he was nothing more than an ultimate king, a rule maker, someone to be obeyed and appeased. Morality as we know it was greatly influenced by Christ's teaching. Compassion, charity, love, mercy. Christ was one of the first to truly preach about active participation in these morally good actions. And we can see worlds without Christ during the French Revolution and World War II when atrocious acts were committed in societies completely devoid of a religious influence and actively fought against it. These are societies where we could see the light of good snuffed out by evil, and evil run rampant, and people regularly commit heinous acts and atrocities against one another. And yes, we still do horrible things to one another today, but in a world without Jesus, we would be accountable for all of it. We all think these things. We think unjustly. We hate one another. We have racial biases. We look at one another lustfully, think it's okay to treat each other as objects. We still hurt each other in any way imaginable by lying or cheating through thought or feeling. And we're all guilty for it. Every individual on this earth. We would be destined and deserving of hell if the world was without Jesus. Education, art, morality as we know it wouldn't be the same and the world would be far more chaotic and dark than it is even today if Jesus never came. But he did. This is good news because he was born. He didn't have to come. God didn't have to give us a savior. He could have tossed us away. But he sent his only son to be sacrificed for us. Christ is the hope of salvation. He is the hope of forgiveness and grace and love personified. Let's get back into the word. In Luke 2, 8 through 20, we see an angel appear to shepherds in a field. The text reads, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled by great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. So the first seven verses of Luke 2 could be described as an IMDb summary of a family-oriented drama that probably would have done okay in the box office. The second part here, 8 through 20, this is what's important. It's where we see the hand of God at work and the true meaning of Christmas. So we see in verses 8 through 14 that an angel is appearing before these shepherds. We see that the Lord has sent this angel to let the world know that the Christ child has been born. The angel explains what to look for, the baby's swaddling clothes and the unusual manger, and that this will help them recognize the child from any other. Two things are happening here that are significant, how the Savior is displayed and whom the angel is reaching out to. It's well known throughout the Bible that God uses unlikely people in situations and loves to shatter societal views. He loves using outcasts. So let's first look at who he's talking to, the shepherds. These are a group of people who have had a bad reputation in society at the time. According to Strack Billerberg, shepherds were despised people. They were suspected of not being very careful to distinguish mine and thine, and for this reason too, they were debarred from giving evidence in court. So basically what we have here are a group of people who already have a negative stigma around them. And yet, God still chose them to be the first to know of the Christ child. These are our outcasts. These men are also promised signs that when they went into Bethlehem, they would find Jesus so they wouldn't mistake him for anyone else. But these signs, they're not majestic. They're not grand. It's not something you would expect out of a promised king. Jesus was born in a barn. As in a, a dirty barn, a barn like poop everywhere, there's a lamb eating its own foot in the corner kind of barn. It's not a preferred environment. It's dirty, it's humbling, and it might even be bad for you and your baby, medically speaking. It could even be called pathetic. But God uses that. It's only because they find this baby in a manger, wrapped the way he is, in the unlikely circumstance that he is, and it's only because of that that the shepherds are not only able to identify with Jesus, but connect with him. This kid is on site already probably considered as dirty as they are. The shepherds don't sleep under a roof, and neither does this baby. He was born poor and outcast, just like them. It is one of the purest pictures of the Lord's humiliation and identification, even with the humblest of men. The Lord takes what is weak and foolish to confound the wise. So we see these shepherds begin what I can only describe as the first annual Bethlehem baby hunt. All the while, these shepherds are spreading the news to everyone they can find to look out for this baby, their Messiah, uh, and that they were visited by this angel and what the angel said to look out for. We're making it known that the Savior is here and he's on earth. They're spreading the news, and finally, when they find this child in this meager environment, they can't help but tell everyone what's going on and to glorify God. And then they retrace their steps back to the fields, praising God all the way, probably telling everyone they had already told in search for this baby what was going on. Because the Savior was born on that day, and just by being born, he changed these men's lives so that for at least one day, they were accepted and even appreciated in the society that they lived in. Jesus Christ was born, and because of him, Peter was pulled out of a life of turmoil, Paul's was changed, and because of him, those of us who know him are made better for it. Because the Lord sent his only son to die for us, the manger wasn't empty, and the cross wasn't empty. 
Sin no longer has a hold on those who have accepted him. Death has been defeated. And it's only because he came down to earth so that he could take that burden for us. The world has changed by his influence, his teachings, his mere presence. And the true meaning of Christmas is that he was born, that the world is not without Jesus. And because our God loved us enough, cared for us enough to have a relationship with him. He wanted us to know him, so he sent his only son to fill a manger and then a cross so the world would not be without. Now, if you'd all join me, I'd like to bow our heads in prayer. Father God, you are good, and we thank you for allowing us to meet here and worship you. Thank you for sending your son to be born to save us from sin and our own brokenness, to change the world for the better. And we, as we enter a time of worship, I ask that you change our hearts and minds and let us glorify you. Let us remember that this is not only a time for gift giving, but a time of joy and exaltation because your son is born. He filled a manger and then a cross and made, and made the world better for it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If Jesus had never been born, there'd still be a Christmas by some other name. We'd brighten midwinter and feast just the same. With corpulent turkey and puddings and pies, and all the brave glitter that art can devise. With satisfied stomach and contented mind, we'd purr with the pleasures of pagan mankind. With greetings and gifts around the evergreen tree, like the jolly old Romans did ages BC, but we'd have no bright carols, no pealing of bells, no tidings that Christ now in Bethlehem dwells, no babe in the manger, no ox in the stall, no angels, no shepherds, no goodwill to all, no Mary, no Joseph, no wise men who came to worship a king of unparalleled fame. No gospel to cheer us, no news to refresh, no glad proclamation of God become flesh. Then let us keep Christmas, the birth of the boy who floodlights our darkness with infinite joy. For God is now with us to seek and to save to die for our sins and to rise from the grave, to help us, to heal us, to bring us to bless, yet poorer than pagans, if blind all to this, we grope through our winter, depressed and forlorn, just as if Jesus had never been born. <laughs>